Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Number My Day for Men podcast, where we discuss all things man and God. I'm your host, DC. Join us in the fight for manhood, God's way. Today, we are going to talk about overcoming. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. John 1, 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And according to Matthew 5, 15, we don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. No, instead, we put that light on a lampstand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Through Christ, we are lights that shine in the world. Darkness cannot overcome us. And we are supposed to share that light with the world. Jeremiah 119 says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And in John 1633, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. According to the dictionary, Overcome means to gain the victory, to win, or to conquer. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8.37 God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7 All we have to do is walk in it. Everything we need to overcome all evil is already ours. Now, Let's listen to some clips of past guests discussing what they have overcome and what they are working on overcoming. Pastor Daryl Downs. One of the things that I had to overcome was the feeling of rejection in my life early on. Being the youngest of siblings, all of my siblings were born here in Los Angeles, California, and I was born out of state, like I said, in Marshall, Texas. So my siblings made it a point to convince me early on that I didn't belong to the family. And they, they, they did it jokingly, of course, but it really sunk in that um, possibly there was a doubt of whether or not I was even actually part of the family member. And then growing up, I saw a lot of things in my family, whereas my father, pretty much a nine to five guy, worked a lot, went to church a lot, and he didn't do a lot of support for his kids. He just worked and took us to church. And so in the period of time that I grew up in playing Little League, getting involved in Cub Scouts, Pop Warner football, things like that, for years, uh, my dad never came to any of the activities that I was involved in. And so consequently, even in high school, playing in the band and getting involved in foreign languages and stuff like that, I wanted to be a foreign exchange student. I had absolutely zero support whatsoever. It was one of those things that I grew up with questioning and wondering, how come I can't get this type of support that I saw some of my older siblings getting and some of my peers. And so I've always had this innate drive that regardless as to whether or not somebody uh, had my back, quote unquote, or who was there to support me, that would just never stop. That was one of the things that I had to get over because I held it against my dad for a number of years until the time I probably was about 28 years of age. We didn't really reconcile. So from the time that I left high school after graduation, I immediately moved out. My dad was telling me that I was uh, moving too fast. I needed to stay and um, do the things that he wanted to do. But I left high school semester early because I had to 
credits to graduate. So I just left and moved to Los Angeles, found a job and moved out on my own. The the, the fear of being non-supported. I had to get over that because when I got to my wife and she knew my life story, she became my number one fan. And um, she, she supported me through anything and everything, uh, all of my endeavors and ventures that I wanted to do. And so I had to uh, learn to release that. I used it as a source of motivation and drive, but I had to learn to release it and know that we were now a team working together. Yeah. My biggest struggle today is dealing with people. Being a pastor, God sends everybody your way, people from all walks of life. And I hold people to a very high standard. And sometimes it's an unfair standard. And so when people tell me that they have the ability, capability, or even the desire to do something in ministry, I am of the opinion now, just wait and see. Uh, I've been disappointed by a a lot of people who walk up, uh, proclaim one thing, but then they don't practice what they preach. One of the biggest struggles is not to prejudge people, because in my uh, law enforcement career, you learn to read people, you learn to read the body language, their emotions, and don't prejudge. Now that I'm in ministry, I can't afford to prejudge based upon a career of judging. So that's been one of the biggest challenges for me. Pastor Shane Adelman. I grew up, you know, I grew up uh, as a young adult addicted to alcohol and having an addicted personality. Uh, so those types of things I have to, you know, stay away from. Lust, all the things that men struggle with are, you know, hit me the same way. And when when you ask too also the question, what's your biggest struggle today? I think it's staying filled with the Holy Spirit and being led of the Spirit, uh, wanting to know what God wants me to do instead of that flesh coming in and and kind of trying to ruin your day. And and I think the devil plants thoughts, you know, wrong thoughts, uh, discouraging thoughts, self-condemning thoughts. Uh, so that's the biggest struggle is wanting to stay full of the Spirit, wanting to treat my wife graciously and my kids lovingly, and but still having that what theologians call the Adamic nature, the nature of Adam still in us. I, I would say those are the it's a constant battle against the flesh and the pulling of the flesh. Larry Chamberlain the third. But what happened when you recovered from surgery and then realized your legs were gone? Well, I know that God had a plan because all yeah. things come together for good. So I said, okay, Lord, this is it. What do you have for me? The hospital decided to uh, send people to visit me that were amputees. All of them were on crutches and wheelchairs or any of that kind of stuff. I told my brother that I would be home in two months. (laughs) I got things to do. (laughs) And that almost two months to the day. Wow. And I told him that. Wow. I remember uh, the surgery was in February. By the end of March, I was walking without crutches on both feet. Uh, matter of fact, the hospital has the rounds where all the doctors and the interns walk around and visit every patient. So they visited me, visited the rest of the ward. And just as they were about to walk out the door, I got up and walked over to them to ask him another question. They did not know that I was walking. The entire floor. Of course, everybody screamed and <laughs> hollered and clapped and all mm-hmm. that because everybody thought I was dead. They thought you weren't going to recover from nope. this? He said there was no way. That, in fact, the chaplain gave last rites. They sent the chaplain in to give me last rites oh, and my told goodness. my father that. And I already knew what the outcome was going to be. 
And so did my dad because I told him that my mother had called. So my message to everybody is don't ever give up. God is on your side. Phil De La Tova. Growing up probably in my, in my early childhood, when I was saved as a, as a nine-year-old, nine, ten-year-old uh, in, in a Christian Baptist church, I had to turn into, I was the oldest of four, and, and I had an alcoholic father. So what became an obstacle was when you have an alcoholic father, he was a functioning alcoholic, but mm-hmm. he was gone a lot, uh, working. You had to turn into the father mm-hmm. figure. You had to, to raise the other three children because mm-hmm. dad wasn't around a lot. So you had three younger siblings? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so I was oldest of four with, with three younger siblings. We had to uh, work with my mom, had a, a part-time business. So I started working at an early age, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I knew the value of a dollar and I knew what hard work was. You lose a, it's a part of your childhood, you know, so you had to overcome that obstacle of bitterness and resentment. You know, you always hear the pastors talking about pulling out that bitterness uh, root early, you know, or that resentment root early in your life. Well, that didn't happen till just recently. So I rededicated my life on New Year's Day mm-hmm. uh, at, at at church. It, it was just just overwhelming, you know that like that dove coming down on Jesus, the Holy Spirit <laughs> coming. It was that type of moment to where yeah. like, oh yeah, I, I got a lot of stuff. I need to ask for forgiveness from and, and let go of that resentment and let go of that bitterness and and realize that everything that happened. You know, it was okay. I could use it to further the kingdom now. You know, and once once I've done that, so that that was probably my biggest obstacles. You know, Joel Forte. I'll put it this way: uh, from my mid twenties to my mid forties, I thought I had struggles, but I really didn't. I, <laughs> you know, I was a little smug about it mm-hmm. in in the sense of I, I was elder, I was leader in the church, mm-hmm. I had my financial planning practice, and. I was dispensing advice. Hmm. I didn't know it. But in my mid-40s, I decided I sold my financial planning practice. And I decided I wanted to invest in real estate and and invest in properties, turn mm-hmm. them around, lift them out of being slums so people would have clean, safe environments to mm-hmm. live in. So I felt I was doing God's work, mm-hmm. purpose. And then we were going to bring in some missionary organizations right into the middle of, of the city in Houston. And and I lost almost every penny I had earned prior to that. Wow. That was a shock. I felt like a failure. Yeah. I felt like for the first time in my life, I felt really like a failure. Mm. And I started to retreat. Embarrassed, shame. Never blaming God, just saying how foolish could I be. Mm. But I begin to, to go into this whole whole cycle of, I can't give anyone any advice. Look at me. Look at my life oh, yeah. kind of thing. How did I overcome that? I didn't. Uh, it was friends, godly men around me yeah. who said, no, that's a business failure. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you a failure. Absolutely. Now, that, that sounds crazy to, to, to understand that truth in your mid-40s. <laughs> so what happened? I got into a group with those guys. We've been meeting ever since every other Friday morning. Mm. And and in the initial days, I was totally reliant on their wisdom, their guidance, mm-hmm. God, and to come out of that. I saw how much my relationship with my wife, she didn't care whether we had a lot or little. Our children didn't care. Mm-hmm. Our, our daughters, our grown daughters, I thought, what would they think? Mm. They didn't. They, 
they thought the same. They they loved their dad. I found out who my true friends were. Yeah. And those who were not true friends. Yeah. So overcoming the image of yourself mm-hmm. and now truly seeing what you are, mm. uh, how Christ sees you and how Christ's love shows itself through other people mm-hmm. when you're not on top of the mountain, mm. when you feel like you're on the bottom of it. I tell you, it's taken me, it took me three, four years just of being with those guys wow. to reinforce all this stuff mm-hmm. isn't what makes you worth something. Your worth doesn't come from that. Yeah. It's much deeper. My biggest struggle today is still fighting the wealth game. Mm. That's just intrinsic mm-hmm. in me. Yeah. I still fight against that being a picture of success. Mm-hmm. I look at my father. Mm-hmm. preached and financially took care of his family. So I, I still struggle with that. With, okay, God, when is enough enough? So I would say, I think that's my picture of myself. I think that's my biggest struggle. Final words by Larry Chamberlain III. The enemy is going to try his best to stop you, throw everything at you. But God is for us. Who can be against us? As this song, Overcome, by Jeremy Camp plays, please reflect on what God has helped you overcome and ask him to help you overcome the biggest struggle you're facing right now.
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word that teaches us how to overcome, Lord, that tells us not to be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good. Your word that tells us that the world will fight against us, Lord, but it will not overcome us, for you are with us, for you will rescue us, Lord Jesus. I thank you for showing us how to overcome by first overcoming yourself, Lord. I pray right now for everyone listening to this podcast right now, Lord, that you will fill them with your spirit, that you will strengthen them with your power, Lord, with your love. I pray, the Lord, that you will empower us to overcome all the struggles that we face, that you will empower us to stand firm on your word, dear Lord, that we'll be strong and courageous and stand for what we know is right. Lead us forward to overcome because the victory is already yours. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or comments or want to tell us about something you've overcome, email me at info at numbermyday.com and make sure to visit us at numbermyday.com slash men to find out what we're all about and to join us in a fight against biblical manhood. God's way. Right.